0: Let's go all the way back to April, 2014. I had just left Gartner and the company I founded, Double Check Research was just getting started. We knew we provided an awesome service. We knew the insights we provided were valuable. However, we weren't entirely sure anyone beyond product marketing would really be interested in our win-loss insights. That was until our very first client and my guest today, Tom Ebling, started to read every single win-loss report that we wrote for his team. What was extraordinary about that was Tom wasn't some low-level researcher. Tom was the CEO of Demandware, a company that would be acquired by Salesforce for the low, low price of $2.8 billion. When I saw how much Tom paid attention to the win-loss insights, it was in that moment that I knew that win-loss wasn't just for product marketers it could bring big strategic value to the entire organization. It was a pleasure getting to work with Tom, and I can't wait to share this conversation with you. So without further ado, please enjoy my chat with Tom Ebling in this episode of Blind Spots, powered by the Compete Network. Hey,
1: Tom. Good morning, Ryan. How are you?
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, chat today. Uh, it's an honor to have you on Blind Spots. This episode, we're really focused on trying to collect data from leaders, CEOs, board members who have had experience with win loss, have operationalized win loss programs internally to help drive strategic decisions. And in my humble opinion, there's no better person than you uh, to to be on, on this show uh, as you are our first client. And, you know, when we realized quickly that you reading all of the win-loss reports that we created uh, back in the day of Demandware showed us like, hey, this is something that is not just for product marketers, but it's for leaders and boards and functional leaders. So thank you for opening our eyes to the possibilities that uh, that, are, that are win-loss today.
1: Well, it was my pleasure, and it was uh, uh, tremendously beneficial to uh, to myself as CEO and to the company, um, as I'm sure we'll get into. So um, thank you for that, too. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So let's just maybe start
0: with an open question about your relationship with win-loss during your time at Demandware and, and even as a board member. Like, how have you... Leverage win loss research uh, to you know make decisions to inform you in different areas. Can you maybe start with a, a high level answer to that question?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, as certainly as as CEO, you know where I could sort of dictate that it was important, um, as opposed to a board member where you kind of take what you get. Sometimes um, uh, it was always something that was extremely important, even before we formalized it with 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 your firm. Uh, so we would. I would insist on when we had losses beyond a certain stage in the pipeline that there was a a loss review. And, uh, you know, we did that, well, for a number of reasons. One is to make sure that everyone understood that once something got past a certain point in the pipeline and we thought we were going to win and we lost, that was a big deal. We either forecasted incorrectly or something went wrong. And from that kind of information, we could learn you know, weaknesses of our product. We could learn, you know, problems in our sales execution. We could learn about emerging competitors, learn about our pricing, all kinds of things that affected important decisions as we were scaling up the business. So, you know, once again, even before we formalized it, we were, we were insisting that we get that information for, for every deal. Sometimes it was a little bit like pulling teeth because salespeople don't like to revisit ones <laughs> that they lost. But uh, but we did try to have the discipline to do that pretty regularly.
0: And and just out of curiosity, I, I'm sure you got the salesperson's perspective on what happened in the deal, and, and now you have the buyer's perspective. You know, based on maybe you're collecting the data or we're collecting the data for you. How big of a gap did you see between you know the buyer's perspective and the seller's perspective?
1: Well, we of course we didn't know the buyer's perspective until we hired your firm. But before that, we knew our sales rep's perspective and his perspective on the buyer, which right. was, of <laughs> course, that he's actually representing the buyer's perspective. So, you know, once I would say, as as we got the sort of, I would call the objective information from your firm, the third third party information, it wasn't so much that it was dramatic like night and day with, with the sales rep, but there was a lot more nuance and consistency from one deal to another where we could see things that, you know, maybe the sales rep identified. You know, th- sales reps always fall back on, or often fall back on putting too much of the cause on things that are easy to, to blame. Right. Product feature or pricing or price is too high and the competitor was cheaper. Um, and sometimes those things were substantiated as as major reasons. But often there were other reasons, you know, that we didn't, uh, we weren't properly responsive, or the, you know, the competitor had a relationship with somebody higher in the organization, or something like that, that were less likely to come through in the sales rep's own assessment of the loss.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we we do see there's those situations where they're spot on. The seller knows exactly what happened. It, they can they can uh, we can align that with what the buyer is telling us. Um, And then and then vice versa, there are the big gaps. But I think what the sellers often skip over in those post mortem discussions with with the buyer is really like getting deep into the competitive intelligence aspect. They might ask questions like, well, why didn't you you know, why didn't you choose us? What was it a product thing? Was it pricing? But but that opportunity to go deeper into collecting competitive intelligence about your primary competitors, products, pricing, sales approach. Seems to get uh, missed a little bit when um, the seller is doing doing the research uh, yes, themselves. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like when you look at at the more formal win loss programs and leveraging it at the leadership level, how how did you you use it with your um, leadership team? Would you read a report and comment, or would you get them together and share information and make strategic decisions? How did you? Kind of drive action with, with the data that was being collected.
1: So there were a couple of different ways. I mean, I personally would read all the win loss reports. I mean, we were, you know, by the time we were acquired, a $300 million company, but we were also selling large deals. So it wasn't like there were hundreds of reports. There were, I forget, tens per quarter, uh, you know. Right. Not, so it was manageable to read them all and it, it gave me sort of direct insight. So, and I encouraged other execs to read them. Certainly our Chief Revenue Officer read them, no question about that. How many of the others read them all? I, I don't know. But the other thing we would do, which would bring in the whole uh, executive team, is in our quarterly business reviews. As an executive team, we'd have uh, the, the the marketing person who's responsible for sourcing the reports come in and do a summary of the win of the win loss reports for the quarter, the key findings. You know, the, the especially focused on new developments. Uh, we also had a section in our quarterly business report that was a quarterly business review that was specifically around the competition and how the competition's doing. And that would be not explicitly win-loss, but the win-loss would feed into the competitive uh, information we were, we were reviewing on a quarterly basis. So in that way, the entire team was you know, having sort of the benefit of a discussion and thinking about the win-loss information at the same time.
0: And then on the on the competitive piece, what other data sources did you tend to pull on, or did the marketing team tend to pull on, to be able to present an update on the on the competitive landscape?
1: Do you well, recall? Yes. Um, so there'd be there'd be uh, you know the influencers in the market like the systems integrators who are out there in the market. There would be qualitative information from the sales reps and. Sales leaders and you know regional directors out in the field, there would be information from people we hired. If we hired somebody from a competitor, we'd you know obviously sure pick their brain as much as possible about what was going on at the at the competitor, um, and then there'd be the analysts, you know the Gartner's and others like that who would be. You'd get their perspective. I mean, once once again, no one of those sources, including the analysts, would give you the truth, whatever the truth was, because they all had both their own perspectives and their own agendas. Uh, so, But you would sort of try to synthesize all that information. Th- those were some of the major sources. Plus, plus yeah, I should say, press and press and press releases and that type of thing.
0: And then uh, when you think about your, your post as a board member for a lot of different companies, do you tend to see this type of intelligence come up during quarterly board meetings where the founders or CEOs are talking about the marketplace and how things are shifting and changing.
1: Yeah, we we do. I do see as a board member in most board, um, most companies, uh, a mention of competition every quarter. Um, it's it's a varying depth depending on the company and its stage and and the amount of competition, and it's not always. We don't always get loss information. I mean. You know, we kind of—I push for that, depending on the situation—to to find out about losses, key losses, and what happened. But that doesn't always come up to the board level. Potentially, management doesn't have it, or potentially, it's considered too detailed sometimes for the board.
0: It's interesting because we're, we're getting a lot of uh, e- people reaching out from venture capital firms and private equity firms these days who are sitting on boards of companies, and they're looking to suggest uh win-loss programs to the leadership teams that they that they work with because they're they're seeing a little bit of a gap in understanding of competition or really primary win-loss reasons. so it's it's interesting it's an interesting dynamic how it's shifted for for us a little bit from kind of the product marketer or competitive intelligence lead reaching out to now this kind of split between investors and board members reaching out to try to help um their teams. So, uh, but that's you know that's that's as is based on a, the state of the economy and how there's a lot of organizations, of course, that are all fighting for less budget.
1: Well, and investors' suggestions have more weight than necessarily. That's I mean, right. I remember, a suggestion. The other thing I would say, I mean, probably part of the motivation for investors is they're probably sitting up. They are sitting generally on many boards, a dozen or whatever, right? Amazingly, every one of their company wins eighty percent of their deals. There's no company in the world that doesn't win eighty percent of its deals. That's so right. At some point, you say, "Wait a second, this can't be true. <laughs> Math doesn't work." Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that that's uh, that's interesting. And actually, like if you were to take me into whether it was a board meeting at, at Demandware or um, one of the companies that you sit on, like how how uh, how did you how or how have maybe the Demandware examples better? How did you leverage this type of intelligence during your own board meetings uh, when you were the CEO of
1: Demandware? Well, it certainly informed uh, the portion of the board meeting where we would talk about competition and how competition was developing. Um, it informed especially looking for emerging competitors, you know, changes in the marketplace. You know, the people knew we had a couple of big competitors that, that existed throughout the key years at Demandware. So those didn't change so much quarter to quarter unless there was a you know big announcement or something by one of them. But there were uh, emerging competitors who would come up who would change the dynamic, at least in some segment of the market, maybe a geography or in the smaller end of the market or something like that. And uh, the win-loss information would help us to inform how we spoke to the board about that so that we weren't... So the board wasn't blindsided, nor did the board think that we didn't know what was going on if, if, right. if, if they knew about it. Um, the, other, um, the other thing it informed by the way we talked about the board is in we, in the way we talked about sort of key gaps that we needed to fill. So in the win-loss information, we could see as, as we had a gap. If it became more and more important in the competitive situation, we had to take an action that either required a big investment that the board was going to be aware of, or some change in product direction that the board had to be aware of. We could you know, justify that to the board or explain to the board part of our reasoning was that we were seeing this in the competitive and back it up with more quantitative information rather than simply a qualitative feel to, to that kind of explanation.
0: I love that. So it's it's you, you want to make a strategic change or make a decision. It's not based on your gut, right? You actually have data that can back up whatever that decision may have been. And then do you do you recall any sort of b- big decisions that you made uh, as the CEO of Demandware or other companies based on, on that kind of data? I know we had talked a bit about in the past uh, acquisition targets and things of that nature. So do you have any examples that come to mind?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I can think of one very large one, one uh, almost humorous one, but that isn't maybe really as strategic, but it was where it was valuable. So um, the large one was uh, was an acquisition we ended up doing to fill a product gap, and it was a situation where for a number of years before that, one of our competitors had used this product area that they had that we did not as a competitive advantage, and if they got into the account early and set sort of the ground rules of the RFP and the sales process they could make that important and then we'd have a hard climb uphill to win the deal um, and the, and the, the sales rep didn't blame the loss on the fact that we didn't have that which in some level was true you could also blame it on the fact that we weren't in the deal early enough to influence the criteria um, but what we saw with the win you know with the with the win loss third party win loss information is we saw the number of times that that was happening increasing. We saw um, even when we were in early, it was still becoming more important. Uh, and we saw that other competitors were kind of leveraging the same thing against us. So it, we we determined it was having a bigger impact on lost sa- on on lost sales than we previously had, and that it was it merited the strategic acquisition of a company. That had a product in that space to fill the gap, um, and that was certainly a situation that, you know, we might have gotten there original uh, eventually. But having the confidence from the qu- sort of I describe it as quantitative data about what was happening versus simply hearing sales reps saying they lost deals because of it, um, certainly probably made it happen faster and have happen with more confidence than it would have otherwise.
0: Yeah, I, I you know ha- having supported you over the, the that period of time, I definitely remember that, and I remember the feedback that we collected about that particular area prior to that acquisition, and then the feedback we collected after. So you, you knew it was the right decision to make, but to be able to back that up with data um, was super powerful. What what is the funny story?
1: So the other one is there, there was a there was a company, uh, a CEO of a company that was. He he really didn't like Damior for whatever reason. Yeah, I think he had tried to acquire the company. He he did and he failed. And um and he would tell investors that his product was far superior to ours and that, you know, he was beating us in the marketplace, which we knew wasn't true. But you know, when you're in a public company and you're talking to investors, you don't want to say something unless you're really sure you can back it up because it's against the law for one thing. <laughs> um but once we started getting the win-loss information, third-party win-loss information, and I could see that this competitor never even made it to the finals in any of our deals. He was still bragging to investors that they were a competitor and they were winning against demand where I could now respond to the question, because investors had asked me about this competitor, with, oh, geez, no, they're not important at all. We've got a lot of win-loss information. They never even appear. you know, And I could say that with the confidence that investors would know it was true. You know, as opposed to simply saying, well, I don't think we see them, you know, whatever. So that was funny because th- this guy aggravated everybody at the Manware the way he talked about us because he also, you know, talked about our product as, as uh, you know, excrement and other things. Wow. <laughs> Publicly. And uh, being able to kind of slam him down was was a lot of fun. <laughs> I would I, maybe
0: offline. You, you'll let me know who that company was. I'm tra- trying to p- piece uh, things yeah. together to figure it out, but maybe that that'll be an offline uh, conversation. Um, I guess when when you think about the win loss programs at at the leadership level, if you were to give advice to other CEOs who maybe don't have a win loss program today or uh, thinking about putting something more formal in place, maybe they. Kind of suffer like many companies do from collecting data from CRM and trying to make decisions based on that CRM data. Like, what would you what would you suggest to them? What what advice would you provide to them to to kind of get started and how to be successful with the effort?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I would say you know, especially the early stage companies. You know, probably the early stage companies you've got a founder spends a lot of time with. Potential customers and has a has a direct feel and that's you know and you're also you know you're being cautious about what you spend and what you do so okay fine, but as you grow and you get to a point where you have now you know you're you're you're, you're at, you, as a leader you're you're being called in only in special situations or you know not not the vast majority of deals, um, I, I think it's important to get third party information and I think it's well worth the money and the time and it's also a discipline for your sales organization to know that um, you know that things are measured quantitatively, and that it isn't a you know it isn't the primary objective isn't to find out what people are doing wrong, but it's to find out how you can improve winning, how you can improve your winning percentage. Uh, but it, it does also send a good message that uh, you know there's a set of eyes and ears out there, and you you better be you better be doing the right stuff because eventually it'll come out if you're not, you know, not only in your win loss. Efforts themselves, but in data that people see, right? And just just to add to that, it's amazing to see
0: when a win loss program is put in place at maybe a product marketing level, uh, and it's a bottoms up type effort versus when the CEO and the leadership team are bought into the program and how much more value they get out of the program when that's the case. Uh, and that was certainly the case with you and and Demandware, Tom. Thank you so much for this time. This was amazing insight. And uh, thank you again for being our, our first client at Demandware nine years ago. Thinking about you, But actually, you're still a client today and, and just in a different form. So, yeah, thank you. Appreciate it.
1: You're welcome, Ryan. It was my pleasure then and my pleasure to participate today.
2: I'm Jody Geiger, Revenue Enablement Coach at Clue, and welcome to my new show, Winning as Women on the Compete Network. I will be joined by the best sellers, revenue leaders, and coaches in the world. Come for tactical advice from people overcoming the same challenges you are facing, and stay for real talk, exploring the moments behind the outward success. We'll go deep on topics like how to elevate as a seller, what makes a high value creating team, How can you make customer success a company-wide sport and how to get an edge against the competition? And if the title didn't give it away, yep, the guests, they're mostly women. Why? Well, because it's mostly men giving advice on how to coach and lead in revenue teams today. We know representation matters and we want that next generation to only know a world where selling, leading and driving organizations forward is equally done by all people. Listen to Winning as Women exclusively on the Compete Network and make sure to join us for our next event.